What's shaking, everybody? My name is Mo, your friendly neighborhood music head, and this is the Rent Free Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I find it funny because last week I really started and had the whole podcast without actually saying who I was. I didn't, I forgot like what my intro was, so I forgot that I lead with I'm Mo, the friendly neighborhood music head. So I really had a whole pod where like I was just talking. Like, if, if somebody was a new listener, they probably just had no idea who I was. Like, what the hell? Um, here I am, back with a new pod. Um, there's a lot of... This this podcast is more than likely just going to be a compilation of a lot of just weird mess. A lot of new music. A lot of... Unfortunately, a lot of, like, criminal news. Um, I feel like maybe two or three pods ago, I had basically four or five different like very weird headlines of all criminal related stuff and unfortunately most of the big artists have a lot of just something criminal going on and i'm not trying to be like like a dj academics or something who's trying to report on shit that like shit that i don't really know about but there's just a lot of court cases some lawsuits some rico charges which are the most recent thing and um yeah, there's a lot to get to. There's a new single from one of the biggest artists in the world, which I am going to start with. But um, a lot of stuff to get to. But I do want to semi-start by saying um, the goal at the moment is that within the next probably two pods, so probably within the, within this next month, hopefully before like the middle of June or something, I do want to try to shift this podcast to something that incorporates video. Um, my life has been in very much disarray within the past couple weeks. And so I've, I wanted to get it done before this pod, uh, preferably before I talk about a Kendrick Lamar album, more than likely the next week or the week after. But, um, there's just a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I'm trying to figure out the best way to turn my space into something that would be video presentable. Um, I have basically all the means to do it now if I really wanted to, um, Really, I would just need a mic stand, I think. But, like, I have all the means to do it. I'm just trying to make it, like, try to incorporate it in the best way that I can. So, you know, get different uh, wall art up and uh, try to build a reasonable enough space. But, um, yeah, so within the next few weeks, hopefully, you know, you're going to see some clips with my face in them on, like, tiktok and the instagram reels and stuff like that that's the current goal i feel like actually saying it and putting it out into this podcast ether will kind of give me a bit of an incentive to really follow through with this goal so we'll see what happens so yeah look forward to that but um without further ado there's a lot to get to first of all so the heart part five came out and now i love anytime kendrick drops one of these heart uh songs it's kind of the lead up to the albums i love the heart part four it sucks that it's not on streaming platforms anymore but here we are and this heart um the heart part five it's very different from the previous ones in the fact that this kind of serves as like if he put this out on the album as a song under a different name i feel like it would be one of the best songs on any album this it's interesting that this is more than likely just going to be somewhat of a throwaway in the grand scheme of things um it's it's amazing the heart part five is this marvin gay sample 
incredible beat with Kendrick kind of going into this concept of what the culture is. And it's accompanied by this incredible video of like, it's very, very minimalistic. Um, if you compare it to the heart part four, I, if I feel like there was a video for that, I'm remembering just different clips of him in like the courtroom with some of the bars that he was saying and whatnot. Um, you know, Kendrick is known for having these videos that just, they do a lot. Um, him and I believe it's Dave Free who's directing a lot of the videos with him. Um, they do a lot of different things. The whole damn rollout, you know, the the video with that song he had with Rihanna, um, him drifting around in circles with Rihanna in the passenger seat with him. I mean, like, the crazy, like, drone effect shots that he gets, the... Uh, the Black Panther soundtrack, that song he did with J-Rock and Future, like the zoom-ins and outs of him sitting in a palm tree and all these different things. He does a lot of these incredible things to go with just the great music that he puts out. And so this video is very different. It's literally, it's more than likely just him in some form of video studio. Some red background, him in a, a white t-shirt and a bandana. He's rapping, doing his thing, but... He has this whole, uh, like, face morph. The uh, I guess it's face morph. There's there's some other word I'm kind of, like, blanking on of kind of what it is. But it's like he puts his hand over his face, and all of a sudden his face turns into, I believe he has O.J. Simpson at first. He turns into Jesse Smollett. He turns into Kanye West. He turns into Will Smith. He turns into uh, Kobe. He turns into Nipsey Hussle. And... I had a lot of questions about the video, like specifically because the first, he has three verses on the song. The first verse, it's with people who are living and you get to the second or you get to the third verse and he turns into Kobe and he turns into Nipsey Hussle. Of course, unfortunately, these two are no longer with us. But when the first two, when I'm first watching this video, when I see, you know, Will Smith and I see Kanye, when I see, uh, you know, OJ Simpson, everything, I was really wondering, did he have these people come to the studio to film this? And then, of course, when you see Kobe and Nipsey, you realize, oh, yeah, he definitely, of course, couldn't. But it made me wonder just, do you have to pay these actors and artists or whatever in their estates to use their likeness for these videos? Like, I wonder what the legality is. And I guess that's a very weird thing to bring up for the fact that there's a lot I could really talk about with this song and how amazing it is. But I just wonder, do you have to... When it comes to, you know, O.J. Simpson, is O.J. Simpson having to clear with Kendrick the fact that they're using his likeness in this video? Does he have to clear that with Jesse Smollett? Or is it just free game for anybody to use any celebrity's face and put it on a video online and do whatever you want? You know, have your face saying words that deep fake. That's the word I'm looking for. Deep faking. Like using this deep fake technology to just say whatever you want and do whatever you want. Isn't there some form of like legality copyright sort of thing? I just have a lot of questions surrounding that. Maybe I should have just done my Googling beforehand, but I'm really just like spitballing a lot of these different thoughts that I had going into this. Um, one thing I will say though, with the song, I found that I first watched it when I was with my cousin at her place and uh, she just kind of threw it on. When we both heard that uh, this song came out. And so people are walking in and out of the room as we're listening to it. So I didn't really fully, you know, absorb a lot of it. And just before this pod, I like went back to it, listened to it again, um, watched the video, I should say. Uh, you know, of course, loved it just as much. But really sitting down with just listening to the audio, 
pulling up the lyrics every now and then just to clarify what he's saying, I felt like that was the best way to really absorb it. Um, the whole deep faking thing, I get it. It definitely is going to, you know, from from a marketing perspective, it definitely makes sense to try to incorporate something that's going to be buzzworthy. Like, oh, he has these people's faces on the screen or whatever. I get it. I just, I felt like it was distracting you from just how poignant a lot of those bars were regarding just the culture, just regarding the our human nature, I mean, regarding the black community, regarding all these different things. I felt like the deep faking thing was definitely a bit of a distraction. And I don't know, there was there was a lot there that I don't really, it's hard for me to really articulate, but it, it made sense to me why he did what he did to, you know, create the video the way that he did it. But um, yeah, it was just very, very interesting. And so if that is essentially a throwaway from this album, this new, from what it seems to be, a double album is more than likely going to be some form of a masterpiece. That's my full expectations at this point. I mean, this is our first true song we get from Kendrick in five years. We had the Family Ties thing, the uh, Baby Keem song that won a Grammy. And he definitely said in that, you know, 2021, you know, I came to fuck shit up. And 2021 came and went. And so clearly there was some level of, hey, we're going to have to push things back. But um, this is our first real like offering from him, and it's this great. So I'm very excited. I'll, I'll step off of my little soapbox for him because there's plenty of other shit to get to, I swear. I'm, I'm going to be plowing through a lot of certain things. Um, I'm going to call this unfortunate segment of the show the, the what, what, what's a catchy thing, the, the crime segment. The, oh, I shouldn't have done that segment, the what the fuck is going on segment, because I got four different things in particular to get to. First of all, YSL just got hit with a RICO charge. Let me clarify what that sentence just said. So YSL, the uh, Young Stoner Life recording, I guess, independent label, like subsidiary label of somebody else. It's some form of label that Young Thug started. Um, I, I believe they're under Columbia. I, I could be wrong on that, but it's one of those like, oh, you know, Young Thug is signed with said record label and he makes a deal with the record label to start his own subsidiary label where he can sign different artists. That's where Gunna is signed. That's where uh, Young Duke, Lil Duke, one of those guys. I'm not well versed in the world of Young Thug, if I'm being completely honest, but you have this label. They have plenty of different artists. You had the Young Stoner Life Records, uh, you know collaboration compilation albums pardon me uh, i believe there were three of them the latest one i actually own an autographed copy of um they put out dope music but um they were recently just hit with a rico charge rico charges I'd, i had to do some googling into specifics of rico charges it was something that they invented essentially in like the 70s and 80s when they're trying to take down different mafias i don't know say person a is like a crime boss syndicate like you know the the leader of this shit and he calls on person B to go do a hit for him. When that dude gets pinched by the cops, the cops can't really go back to person A for the fact that he called this hit. They can only really get the crime for person B committing the crime. So they came up with the whole RICO charges as just a method of, hey, we're going to not only get person B for what he did, but also person A for, you know, coordinating this. Like, racketeering. What does RICO stand for? If I, if I sit here and Google real quick 
racketeer-influenced and corrupt organization. So when it comes to these RICO charges, unfortunately, these things get hit in the black community disproportionately and for a lot of small and wrong reasons. I'm not sure if it was a RICO charge for Bobby Schmurda's case way back when. I believe it was. Um, I think RICO charges also came against uh, 6 9 of course, with him and Shadi and whatever that whole situation was with, you know, the 6 9 essentially like telling putting out essentially a tell-all book on the stand, like throwing in Jim Jones and Cardi B's name into a lot, a lot of this mess of him essentially, quote-unquote, snitching for all intents and purposes. And, um, yeah, so you had these Rigo charges go on these various different, you know, uh, rap-related organizations. And, I, I mean, this came out of the blue. I don't think there was any form of, like, like nobody knew that this was going to happen. But YSL was hit with Rigo charges. They were, Young Thug was arrested in this whole giant federal case with 56 counts in total going on the various different members. I think there was 26 total people listed in this Rico indictment. You had young thug get arrested like in his home. I believe it was. Um, I believe that was yesterday. Today it just got confirmed that Gunna surrendered himself to police. So this is very scary because when it comes to a federal case, like, you, you don't get hit with a Fed case and just walk out clean. They got something on somebody. So the idea that these guys are just going to be walking out of here, it's unfortunately very unlikely, and it's very unfortunate. Um, I, I mean, I wish them the best, but I, I think there were there were mentions of Young Thug being, like, putting out a hit on YFN Lucci way back when, and uh, his involvement in a murder case with some of the other artists or producers and the clique or whatever, and... Just their overall, like, them being treated as some, like, gang, drug, syndicate, network thing. There's just a lot going on there. So, unfortunately, there's been a lot of jokes surrounding it. I mean, as always, you're going to have somebody making some form of joke because, like, Twitter is Twitter. The internet is the internet. Somebody's going to find a way to find some humor in it. So, people were saying, like, oh, this is a RICO charge and they're just trying to incorporate every single person who is even remotely... Uh, connected to YSL. Let's just name all the people that we don't like and just hopefully the feds will <laughs> indict them too. And that turned into a whole thing. But um, yeah, man, I, I wish I wish these guys nothing but the best. Of course, you don't want to see any more black men incarcerated. But um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> hopefully we'll get some news sooner than later. Hopefully it doesn't get stalled out the way that Megan the Stallion and Tory Lanez's trial is, which is a segue into the fact that Megan the Stallion did some form of a CBS interview with Gail King of all people to, I guess, share her side of the story. Even though we've kind of gotten that several times now, but Gail King sat down with, uh, or Megan the Stallion sat down with Gail King. It doesn't matter. She did essentially like a whole tell-all of the situation, saying that um. Just, just essentially giving her account. I don't really need to get into the specifics, but, you know, Tori shot her, and it was all uh, unfortunate. I keep saying unfortunate today. Um, it was all just a huge, like, mix-up. Not mix-up, but, like, you know, one bad thing leads to another, and she confirmed this, like, allegation of him saying dance bitch to her as he was shooting her from outside of the car, and... She gave some reasons as to why, I mean, I say all this allegedly, of course, 
she gave some reasons as to why she didn't immediately fess up to what he did to her, saying that all of this was happening just after uh, uh, George Floyd's killing. Pardon my lack of ability to speak there. Um, She was saying that she just had a lot of anxiety when it came to the police, and so she kept her mouth shut and all these different things. Things that we knew like two years ago when all of this happened, but, um, you know, just giving more light to it, I guess. And she was crying during it. Um, she did say how she was just very lost. She was saying that she, uh, she had just lost her mom. And unfortunately I feel her and a lot of what she was saying surrounding this saying how, um, she had just lost her mom and she was bringing in a lot of people that she didn't otherwise really need in her life, but she was just looking to fill this void that her mother left and how amidst all of like the stress and the chaos and everything, all she wanted to do was call her mom. Like it was very, very sad to hear her say a lot of these different things. Um, so I definitely feel her on a lot of those tips and in, in the, in the sense of just like relating to grief, unfortunately, but there's some stuff going on there in terms of, I guess, Tory Lane's, I, I think he got pinched recently because he tweeted something like kind of directly at Megan Thee Stallion. Not directly, but like it was a it was a subtweet that was, you know, you could just put two and two together and see who he's referring to. And a judge pinched him for that and like revoked his bail saying like, you can't make statements directed to the people who are alleging crimes against you. And um, like there's just a lot of stuff going on with that case. So I don't know. We're, we're just still waiting. I think things got pushed back again. I think we have to wait until June for this case to actually happen. Um, and I think at this point, I don't even think I'm going to really mention anything that goes on with the case until the case actually happens. I think that's going to be my current vow because this is just a whole lot of mess. I'm really sick of tired, like talking about it, reading about it, seeing all these different things about it. Like I'm really sick of this, but um, yeah, hopefully June actually happens. If it's supposed to be June, maybe it's July. Who fucking knows? Maybe it'll go on until 2023. Who knows? Um, a couple other things. Fortunately, still crime related. Um, the baby's still being the baby. I won't even. I won't even stay on this. Uh, there was footage of him. Ooh, which case of the baby do I even want to mention? Um, first he first somebody I guess broke into his house, and was scared off, and he was. The guy was trying to climb out of the baby's home, and the baby shot him in the ass. And I guess the guy got arrested, and the baby tweeted about it, saying like, "Listen, like next time it won't be like in your leg or whatever. Like next time you'll actually die, something along those lines." And I was like, "Okay, this is this is very weird." And then a couple of days later, he got in some fight with an artist that is signed to him, which is just like that. That just shows that you're a, a bad manager label head anybody because like if somebody's signed to you that means that they respect you and want to do business with you the idea that you're fighting your artist that's like i don't know that's like a mario chalmers fighting lebron like what are you doing like what what is happening right now you're you're supposed to be a leader on this thing that you're doing like i don't there was stuff happening there and then most recently uh rolling stone i guess did some form of a not even i guess Rolling Stone did like a very long form kind of expose on just everything surrounding the baby's uh, Walmart shooting incident, which effectively propelled his career. Um, I have a lot of opinions on this. I highly recommend you guys to read it. Um, it's been denounced by a lot of people, uh, confusingly, 
And I just think that there's a lot to kind of dissect there because effectively the baby kind of propelled his career off of an incident where he allegedly was defending his life, fighting for his life. You know, some guys in a Walmart. The story was initially, let me start there. The story was initially that, okay, the baby, he's walking through Walmart with his kid and his uh, current girlfriend. They're shopping for baby clothes and whatever. And some dudes came up to him trying to rob him. And one thing led to another. The baby ends up pulling out a gun and shooting the guy. Or I don't know if at the time it was rumored to be two guys were robbing him or if it was just one. But the whole idea was that the baby used a gun in self-defense, defended him and his family, kept it pushing. And so he effectively gained notoriety surrounding it. Um, people ended up checking out his music because there was a case of a rapper shooting somebody. Like it, it effectively propelled his career because he was effectively uh, signed. I mean, there was a lot of stuff, you know, labels caught wind of everything. And because of if it was talent, if it was a majority of reason of talent or if it was a majority reason of just, you know, news surrounding him, labels caught wind throughout offers. He signed, I believe, Interscope, Atlantic. Who knows? Who cares? He got a label deal. You know, he propelled himself to being this major superstar, you know, doing the the number one song with uh, Roddy Rich, you know, uh, putting out different albums. Like, he's been, unfortunately, kind of this mega star despite all of the controversy surrounding him. And then you have Rolling Stone after all these years, I think it's been three now, putting out this expose basically saying, yo, the victim's family has never had a platform to share their side of the story. Saying that it was two dudes, they were two kids, I think 19 and 20 years old. Uh, They had just gotten out of work. Uh, I believe it was raining and something like, something like it was raining and they went into Walmart to get some things. And they were coming, they were just coming out of work. It was raining. They go into Walmart. They see the baby and they're fans. They're like, huh, is that the baby? I don't know if that's the baby. Because at the time, he's still like this up-and-coming dude in North Carolina. And they're kind of following him around the store just trying to figure out who he is. And um, they effectively go up to him like, hey, are you the baby? And this is their side of the story. I'm just kind of trying to recount what they were saying. But um, they're like, hey, are you the baby? He's like, yeah, what's it to you? And the guy's like, oh, like, you know, trying to de-escalate because clearly they kind of, they didn't realize that they were scaring him because which is a whole other thing of the fact that a lot of artists complain about the fact that when art, uh, when fans come up to them, they can't really tell if they're like, if they're ops or they're just fans. Cause they kind of have the same demeanor, which is very scary. A lot of different artists, uh, specifically rappers have kind of, whether it's in an interview, whether it's in music have kind of been vocal about the fact that it's very scary when a dude is just coming up to you like, yo, are you such and such? Because you can't tell if it's a hit. Or if it's this fan's big moment of meeting their favorite artist. So I guess the baby was frightened and confronted them about it. These guys were seemingly trying to like walk away. And you could see the footage of this situation where the baby is the first person to incite violence. Because the baby's the one who runs over and sucker punches the kid. And I guess there was a scuffle. One thing led to another. Uh, supposedly one of the kids pulled out a gun. The baby pulls out a gun, shoots him. And so you have this situation where 
footage comes out that puts into question just how the cops rushed to a decision of, okay, this is self-defense. Because self-defense is kind of built along this concept of, okay, somebody threatened you, threatened your life, threatened you and the people around you's lives, so you use justifiable means to defend yourself. But if the baby is the one to throw the first punch, then doesn't that put into question everything? Because the the crux of this legal argument is the idea that they started first. They incited this reaction first. But video footage just shows the contrary. So between that, the family like explaining how these were just kids, that they were fans, that just the, the media surrounding it never gave them any form of a voice. Nobody ever came to them asking them, hey, who are you? Who was your son? You know, how did this happen? Like, these things just never happened to them. And how the mother of the slain child was, uh, your young adult, I should say, um, the, you know, the kid's mother, he was, she was just, like, distraught how she still deals with a lot of PTSD surrounding it, how she can't hear the baby's music because, unfortunately, her son's killer is one of the biggest artists in the world. And just the concept of that is horrifying. So there was there was a lot there, and, like, it just really brings up my issues with stand-your-ground laws in general. And I feel like a lot of the discourse surrounding it didn't really revolve around uh, stand your ground and unfortunately just revolved around like this being another attempt at a smear campaign against a baby despite him being one of the last people anybody should ever really try to go to bat for but anyway that that's the baby's doing some shit again that's just what's happening <laughs> and um what else do we got here Trey songs there's a lot of different lawsuits currently going against Trey Songs because he is uh, allegedly like a sexual predator. There are multiple cases of rape that women are alleging, and there's a very giant lawsuit against him. I guess I should have led this with trigger warning, but that's just what's happening. I've avoided his music since a lot of these allegations first came out a few years ago, and it seemed as though like the first couple ones were like, hmm, is this real? We don't really know. We don't really know what's going on. And it feels like every few months something new is coming up. And the most latest thing is that there's a video that is was seemingly swept under the rug because I didn't see a lot about this. There was a video that came out of him at some form of like beach party, literally yanking a girl's breast out of her like bikini top. And he said some childish thing of like, oh, titties out, blah, 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 blah. like some form of like, I guess like frat culture of like, ha ha sort of thing. But it's like you're you're Trey Song, you're you're a megastar doing absolutely flagrant things, let alone just being a human doing flagrant things. But like you're a megastar, how do you of course this is gonna be filmed. Of course there's gonna be like it it's not like it was he was alone with this woman. This is in a crowd of people and it's like this woman is uh suing Trey Songs now for just the I don't know if it's for damages, if it's for uh, emotional stress, if it's for whatever it is, but, like, there's a lawsuit for that, let alone these multiple cases of just 
very vulgar incidents of sexual assault and rape. So I don't know what's going on with Trey Songs. I don't think people are talking about it enough. It's good that he isn't thriving musically at the moment. Like it's not like he has a lead single out that's like chart topping in the midst of all these different lawsuits. But it's just something to like kinda something to be cautious of, is all I'll say. Um and lastly, ASAP Rocky. He has a single that just came out with Rihanna, uh, DMB, That's My Bitch. It seems like the culture surrounding men using the phrase bitch is returning. Um, I don't know how to feel about that, but here we are. The song is cool, I guess, but the video is very much amazing. I think, and this is interesting that within the past couple weeks, like, music videos are really coming back from the very large stars. I'm a person who really doesn't care about music videos, but when Kendrick Lamar drops a music video, I'm going to care about music videos. And I wouldn't really care about an ASAP Rocky video if it didn't have Rihanna scattered all throughout it. Um, there's just a lot of beauty with this video. Um, supposedly he directed it, which makes it even more incredible, but ASAP Rocky has a very good track record of putting out some amazing vid um, visuals. I think one that really sticks out to me... Uh, Lamborghini High? Yamborghini High. Um, Yamborghini High, pardon me. That was one of the lead singles off of the ASAP Mob Cozy Tapes Part 1. And it's this incredible video of like, you know, it's it's all of ASAP Mob, but just the visual effects that they're doing, it's very glitchy, it's very, uh, you know, different layers of the video are going in and out of each other. It's looking very like, kind of like dystopian sort of feel and it's a video that really stands out to me because it's just it was one of the very big evidences of just the creativity that's coming out of that asap kind of crowd that movement and um his last album or not his last album the the album in 2015 or 16 or uh, at long last asap i believe it was called um that had a lot of great music videos surrounding it too like he's just very good artistically when it comes to that side of his creativity. And um, this video is amazing. Uh, him and Rihanna kind of, kind of playing this like old school, like hood love story. And Rihanna looks great. Him with Rihanna looks great. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, there was some cool stuff surrounding that. But unfortunately, that surrounding that was just his recent arrest with the fact that he was involved in some form of shooting. And I'm not sure or really care about what's going on surrounding the litigation about that. But, you know, he, he has Rihanna pregnant and she's in, clearly in her third trimester. So it's like one would just have to hope that it's not negatively stressing Rihanna's pregnancy, you know. And so um, hopefully that clears out or clears up. But it's like there's just a lot of criminal stuff <laughs> like I've. I just sat here for 20 minutes speaking about all these different criminal-related things that people really aren't talking about but are very much news. So um, that's all I got on the, the crime portion of this pod. And um, the rest, I, I think I'm really just going to plow through some of these uh, album releases. Um, there's a new Pusha T album. Highly recommend y'all listen to that. Uh, recently, actually, I've been kind of going back and just revisiting Pusha T's catalog. I tried to do it the week of that Pusha T album release. And um, 
just going back and listening to My Name Is My Name, going back and listening to those early mixtapes, uh, Wrath of Cain, and um, really revisiting a lot of um, clips. You know, him and No Malice, and him, me, like me being older and having a more refined ear, just being able to kind of distinguish Pusha T and No Malice's voice or voices, because I spent a lot of time just not being able to differentiate the two. Um, as I feel a lot of people did as well. It's like, it's not like, uh, it's not like Outcast, where you can very clearly tell who's rapping, you know what I mean? Or like all these different groups who have very distinguished uh, sonic voices. But when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to No Malice and Pusha T, they've sound like they're brothers. They sound very, very similar. You can only really tell the difference just based on their cadence and just some of the vocal inflections. So I say all this to say, I was just going back and revisiting a lot of that and hearing this new album, it's, it's really just the same Pusha T. He hasn't, I feel like throughout his whole career, he hasn't never really evolved sonically, uh, subject matter wise. Um, he, he hasn't really evolved in that aspect. The only thing that really evolves is just his song making ability and really the producers that he works with just like maybe some maybe some of the cadences that he puts together but like yeah it, it's it's the same Pusha T this new album is more of what you would expect from him but it's one of those things where if you enjoy that if you're in that movement this is entirely for you but if you're not well shit <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah man new Pusha T's out uh there's a new future album out i won't even spend much time on it like it's great I didn't like his previous album. What was the previous album? Uh, Too High for This? Something something dumb. But like it was a black and white album cover. I really wasn't a fan of it. I'm a big Future fan. And shout out to the train. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Future fan. I love his entire 2015 to 2017. Really to 2018. Like run as an artist, like the Hendrix albums, the Beast Mode mixtapes, the uh, DS2. I mean, he he defines a lot of what trap music is. He defines a lot of what just the rap scene in general sonically sounds like. And that last album, High Off Life was the name of it. It was very mediocre. And just for Future's standard, uh, his previous album from 2019, or the, the album prior to that, uh, the Wizard, I really, really loved. So to see a year later, he comes out with High Off Life, and it's just very okay. That was very disappointing. But um, this new album, I Never Liked You, it's dope. Uh, go check it out if you're just into that trap scene. I feel like uh, Future has returned to just the standard that he kind of already was at being this veteran in trap music, but still so good that he gives everybody else a run for their money. And so it's also a major album release, a major trap album release that doesn't have a little baby feature. And that's really worth mentioning. So um, go check it out if you're into trap, of course. Um, he has a song with Thames and Drake, which is probably going to be one of the songs of the summer. But anyway, you have a uh, new Pusha T, new future. Uh, there's a new Action Bronson album, Cocodrilo Turbo. There's a... Uh, it, it's it's action Bronson. It's it's fun. It's it's soul samples. It's like dark and stormy music. It's like 
sonically or lyrically very amusing. It's it's Action Bronson. It, if you like Bronson, this is more of the same. It's very similar to what I was saying with Future, with just like, if you're a fan of Action Bronson, you're going to love this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the outro song, Storm of the Century, I will say, is song of the year candidate for me. Like, it's it's up there. I Anytime Bronson is rapping on some form of like a jazzy uh band driven beat and you got the rain in the background you just get the added elements of just a storm hitting oh my god he's unstoppable (laughs) he's done it on maybe four different tracks and this is just one of those where it's like holy shit bronson is amazing um so shout outs to him of course alchemist derringer production throughout all of that um i mean what else we got we got ransom um no rest for the wicked uh if you're unfamiliar with Ransom, I feel like this new project of his, No Rest for the Wicked, is probably your best bet to really be introduced to him. Um, Ransom's style... He's one of those underground artists who, I'll, I'll honestly say, he only really has maybe like one or two flows. But the thing is, those flows that he has are so perfect. Like, he's he's similar to Rick Ross in like, He's kind of mastered the vocal inflections and just like how to use that specific flow to ride on any type of beat in production. But lyrically, he's going to carve you up. He's He hits so many different things when it comes to um, just his own life, you know, aspects of like street life, aspects of just getting money, his past, his like just he does everything. And Ransom's just great in that aspect of like kind of refining that soul sample driven hip hop sound. Um, this album just feels like a more calculated effort at being like a traditional album. You know, he's he has a streak of putting out a lot of great EPs, uh, a lot of work with um, Nicholas Craven, a lot of just like a lot of the same from him. He he's used to a certain style that he's developed within the past couple of years, and. This album, No Rest for the Wicked, I just recommend if you are somebody who's never heard Ransom before and are just looking for kind of a way to start. Um, it's more upbeat. It's more like palatable production. Uh, of course, there's still like soul samples in there. But um, yeah, I just highly recommend it if you like haven't really dove into his discography yet, specifically because it's extensive. <laughs> so like it's kind of hard to pick where to begin. But um, yeah, New Ransom's out. You know, there's there's two other, three other things. Uh, there's a Kehlani album. I love Kehlani. Uh, her new album, Blue Water Road. It's really good. Like, there's no room for me to hate on it. <laughs> um, my last pod, I was raving about how great Sid is and how amazing that album is, which I still hold to be, it's probably, like, in my top three albums of the year at the moment. And um, Kehlani, it, she's... She's clearly from that Sid camp in like the type of R and B music that she makes. And this is this is an amazing album. <laughs> There's I think it's like thirteen songs, and I want to say like I swear by maybe nine or eight or nine of those songs, which is a very good ratio in my opinion. Um Yeah, there's plenty of collabs. There's a Sid uh feature on there, there's a Lucky Day feature, there's a Justin Bieber feature on there, which is like ugh, but you know, it's a dope song. But, um, yeah, man, new Kehlani, go check that out. There's a new Sabrina Claudio album. 
Um, they tried to cancel her, but like, who cares? Because it, what she, her offense way back when wasn't deep enough to really be cancelable, in my personal opinion. And I feel like, music-wise, she's leagues better than most R&B pop. I really want to say pop and B artists. Like she's from that Alina Baraz camp. She's from that uh, just that pop and R&B fusion. The the crooning, the ballads. The she just does incredible music. She makes incredible music. And um, her new album, based on a feeling, like I haven't really sat sat with it yet. I might have only given it like one and a half listens. But I'm personally a very very big Sabrina Claudio fan, and this is just another one of those like albums for me. <laughs> so check that out. But um last thing I'll mention is just this new LMA album. Now, let me preface this by saying I I buy autograph CDs as a hobby. It's something that I love to do. I started in 2017. The first album that I got was Kendrick Lamar's Damn. And years and years have gone on and it's just been fun to kind of collect just signed copies of stuff because I feel like it, like way on in the future, I'm just going to hold a piece of something that like represents these artists. It's fun to me. And plus, it's just a method of me buying, like actually contributing to physical copy sales. And it's one of the best ways to really like support any form of independent or up and coming artist. And so I, I pre-ordered the um, one. OK, one other thing is that. When it comes to pre-ordering autograph CDs, you you should only really do it for the people who, like, they have a track record that you can very much swear by. Like, you can, when it comes to the pre-ordered stuff that I've gotten recently, uh, I pre-ordered the Pusha T album, the autograph copy of it. I like Pusha T, and he has a very good track record of having a discography where he hasn't really, like disappointed whatsoever so if i get an autograph copy for an album that hasn't come out it makes sense i did it with vince staples's album still swear by that vince staples album by the way i did it with the kehlani album um i just you know when it comes to pre-ordering stuff you never really know every once in a while you could get disappointed but hopefully not i got the lma autograph copy I, I purchased Heart on My Sleeve. And unfortunately, it was a really big mistake. Because this album is so disappointing. I... It's like I want to like LMA. Like she's, she's so good at making singles. It makes no sense why she's so mediocre at making albums. Like, I don't get how you can create a DMFU, like or DFMU, pardon me, don't fuck me up. I don't get how you can make that song and then have an album of, like, 15 songs and 12 of them twelve of them are filler. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's so disappointing. I, I don't know. It, it's a mid-album. It's mediocre. It's DFMU and Not Another Love Song are just amazing. And so hearing this from LMA, it's like, I don't know if this is a label issue, but it's not like she doesn't have talent. That's the worst part. Like, it's not like I could just look at her like, oh, she's just this untalented artist. It's like, that's simply not true because, like, I still listen to Boot Up on a regular basis. You know what I mean? So, um, I just hope that 
whether it's her management or just her or her label, just figure something out because there's so much potential there. She's still young. She's still like she's from the UK. She has that ability to cross over in terms of marketability. But this this wasn't it. <laughs> this really wasn't it. So now I have this autographed copy of an album that's just mediocre. And it's like, damn, what the fuck do I do with this? I'm not going to toss it. Am I really going to resell this? It's like, I don't know, man. This is just like a semi-needless, you know, addition to this CD catalog. Like, <laughs> here I am. But, um, yeah, that, that's all I really got um, in terms of some TV and movie stuff. Because I really am going to try to continue to talk about the like the latest things I've been watching and whatever. Um, yesterday I just watched the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness thing. I guess by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be, what, five, no, really about a week since that al uh, album, since that movie came out. So I'm not really sure if I can spoil things. I don't know if it's socially acceptable for me to just kind of go out there with stuff, um, but I'm, I'm going to try to be spoiler friendly and say that um, it's a dope movie. It, it's 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 good. It's very good, actually. Um, I haven't written my review yet, but I'm probably going to give it around four stars. Uh, four out of five, pardon me. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's Doctor Strange. It gets the job done. One thing I will say is just the trailers for the movie did not do it justice. Like, they do a very good job at misleading you in terms of, Who's going to be the villain? Who's going to be, uh, like, what's the storyline going to be? I feel like the trailer really just doesn't do that justice in the slightest. Which is kind of good for what they were trying to do. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting. And one thing, um, it's a Halloween movie. I do feel like they should have put this out in the fall surrounding Halloween. Because this is the most horror that Marvel has ever gotten, by far. There's a lot of jump scares for Marvel standards. Like, I'm I'm a scary movie novice. I'm one of those people who, like, oh, the, the friends are going to get together and watch a new scary movie. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> I'm a wimp. I'm not that guy. I'm not. I am the opposite of built different. I am built that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just not that guy. And so when it comes to this movie... um, Within the first 20 minutes, I definitely understood. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to squint through a lot of this movie because these jump scares are going to fuck me up. Like, I'm one of those. So it's definitely something that I feel like would have been cool if it came out in October just to kind of lead up to that Halloween season because it's not the typical Marvel movie. That's all I'll say. So, um, yeah, man, new, uh, new Doctor Strange. Check that out, I guess. Um, and recently I just rewatched, uh, Stranger Things. So that's been kind of fun. Uh, I revisited those three seasons. I realized recently that I hadn't seen season one of Stranger Things on Netflix since season one came out in 2016. So with this new season coming out, it's like, wow, I haven't seen this show in six years. Maybe it's time to revisit this before the new season. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I revisited it, and I I still love the show. I really like that. Uh, it it seem it feels like Stranger Things is one of those like Netflix definers. The way that uh, Orange is the New Black kind of set this 
set the tone for TV and streaming and being one of those first shows that was ever a binge-worthy show kind of on any streaming platform, I feel like Stranger Things kind of transcended a lot of just uh, a lot of the hate that Netflix was getting in terms of, yeah, the Netflix doubters who felt like it was going to be over within the next few years because all these new streaming platforms are coming out and how are they going to compete and they're in debt and what's going to happen. And um, Stranger Things was just one of those like bread and butter, like it's it's going to bring people in, people are going to watch it, people are going to love it, it's very quality, the Duffer Brothers are amazing, the Duffer Brothers are the people who did everything, everywhere, all at once, that incredible movie, and um, they have a great product on their hands, and especially the fact that they're kids who are the actors, and you know, it's it's real dope, so I'm excited for this new season, I just binged all three seasons, and um, it, it's a very short watch, all things considered, it's three seasons, and it's a total of like 20 two episodes in total, something like that. Like, it's not a lot. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for this new season. It's supposed to come out at the end of the month. I think, like, the week after my birthday, the 27th. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Um, I'll do a very brief uh, rent-free segment because I realize that this pod is way longer than I intended, yet again. Maybe this is just going to turn into an hour pod. Maybe I'm just going to keep it around that 40-minute to one-hour mark. Who knows? But let me just try to blow through a rent-free segment. Um, What's been living in my head rent-free this week? Um, Jack Harlow? What? Why do y'all hate him? Like, what, what what did Jack Harlow do? Maybe that's a rhetorical question. But, like, what are... What happened? Because... Okay, a new album came out from him. Honey, what is it? Honey, Come Home, The Kids Miss You, or Come Home, The Kids Miss You, something along those lines. And um, it, it's cool. It, it gets the job done. I do feel like he wears his influences on his sleeve. Um, very similar to the way that I felt about um, Jaden Smith. Uh, that first Jaden Smith album, this is all going to tie in, I swear. That first Jaden Smith album, Sire, it's very... Uh, it's very influences on your sleeves esque, because that first Jaden Smith album was a Kanye album, but it was also a Tyler the Creator album, but it was also a Kid Cudi album, and it didn't really have Jaden Smith's identity at all. He was just doing a lot of what he was clearly like loved growing up sonically. So when I when I look at Jack Harlow and what this album was. It feels a lot like, I don't know, like he's he's trying to be Drake. For all intents and purposes, it's it's not very uh, not very original. I loved the previous album. Um, I forget the name of it, but it had the the, the Tyler Hero song. It had What's Poppin'. It had uh, it was a dope album. And I might have said before how I was kind of looking forward to this album, but um, yeah, this thing is okay. It doesn't compare to the first album. It feels like they took what worked in the first album with a lot of the sample-driven, sample running through a filter in reverse underwater, and Jack Harlow just rapping on it the way that Drake does very often. And um, he did that on a lot of the different songs on here. Uh, There's an unnecessary, like, trap-ish song. Like, one of my big critiques with the previous album was just, like, I don't need trap Harlow. 
I don't really need him to do little baby collabs. I don't need him to do, you know, just the trappy upbeat. Like he doesn't need a Tay Keith beat to try to rap and do shit with Pooh Shiesty and uh, Big Sean. And like, I don't really think that he needs to go that route. I've never really felt that way. So when I hear this, um, when I hear this Jack Harlow album, this latest one, he definitely steered away from that. I feel like he definitely took the critiques that he was getting. The problem is he became this like, it, it wasn't even a caricature. It's more like he just kind of lacked the, uh, the oomph. He lacked the, uh, I don't know. This album just definitely felt like it could have been better. But what I don't understand is why everybody is treating him like he's jack shit. Ooh, that's a double entendre. Jack Harlow, jack shit. I should have just kept talking. Fuck. So, like, I just feel like um, like he's going on tour with City Girls. It's very clear that this album is, like, women-driven. It's very obvious now that his market... Like, he's marketing directly to a female audience. The the buzzword lyrics that he has throughout, the fact that he's going on tour with the city girls, the fact that uh, he does his like online gimmicks and stuff, you know, saying I love you to people on the red carpet. Like he's doing this to like make the women laugh. That's just what it's very obvious. What I don't understand is just like when this is going to tie in when the YSL Rico charge came out and young thug and Gunner were getting arrested why are people saying, yo, I heard Jack Harlow was messing with YSL. Why don't y'all lock him up too? Like, <laughs> I don't think what Jack Harlow does warrants a lot of those jokes. I don't get why he's getting this very big smear campaign. Why people are like, yeah, I'm just not even going to give that album a try. Like, why? Like, it's one thing to just, like, not like a dude. But it's like, what did he do? That's what I just don't really get. And uh, it's not like... Like when Russ was first coming out and Russ was getting a lot of his hate, which I was I was on the Russ hate train, but mine was warranted because I felt like he was mocking a lot of what rap culture is and mocking the systemic and social issues that come with the fact that a lot of these rappers are very damaged. A lot of these rappers are drug, uh, drug addicts. A lot of these rappers are dealing with heavy sets of grief that they don't know how to cope with. And Russ was mocking a lot of that in those early years. So I really didn't like him for it. I felt like he didn't know what he was talking about. And I felt like he was disregarding a lot of black trauma. And it made sense why Russ was getting a lot of that hate because he kind of fed into just being this like hip hop supervillain. But Jack Harlow kind of be minding his business. <laughs> and he doesn't really do controversial shit. Like maybe he's a bit corny, but I, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. So when Pitchfork puts out recently that they gave him a 2.9 out of 10 for his album saying that it effectively sucks like giving his album a worse grade than the peppa pig album it's like dog what <laughs> i don't i don't get it i don't i don't really love the album but i don't think it's fucking like worse than peppa pig you know what i mean <laughs> so i don't get it so yeah, I just I don't I don't understand this mirror campaign, but all right, that that's all I got for this pod this week. Song suggestion of the week. I'm gonna give this to uh, Sean Smith. I I follow Sean Smith on social media. 
he actually follows me back, which I feel like is like, holy shit, like an artist that I like follows me back. That makes me kind of cool. <laughs> um, Sean Smith, he has this song from 2018 called Heaven. I'm just making this the song suggestion of the week because I've been listening to it a lot more recently and I just love it. He is a very, very lyrical rapper. He has an album from either 2018 or 2019. I feel like he changed the release date on it. Maybe 2017. Who knows? Sink or Swim, the Sean Smith story. I highly recommend y'all to check out that project. It's 10 songs, 41 minutes. Uh, it's very substantive rap. It's a lot of conscious stuff in there. It's a lot of uh, social critique. It's a lot of uh, very intrinsic like wordplay. Like he's doing a lot of like papoose level wordplay on there. And um I yeah, the the song Heaven is just one of those like I call it like outro music. It's you're sitting there, like clearly he got into the booth and was like, I'm just gonna go for three minutes, just nonstop bars. It's one of those. Um highly recommend y'all check the song out if you're looking for just really dope lyrical hip hop. So um yeah, that's all I got this week. I'm going to cut the pod. It's been long. I've been talking for a while. Um, yeah, follow me on social media, Mind of Mo, on pretty much everything. Uh, Instagram, Mind of Mo with two underscores. On Twitter, it's Mind of Mo with one underscore at the end. Um, follow me on TikTok, I guess. It's Mind of Mo on there. There might be an underscore, there might not, but there's no videos on there yet. I just definitely know that when I do end up shifting this podcast, uh, video wise i'm gonna be posting stuff on there so follow me on there if you'd like um yeah new stuff on the way i'm, I'm currently learning how to dj i kind of want to learn how to make mixes and I've, it's been kind of fun just doing it like on a practice level but i'm currently trying to figure out the best way to like kind of record those and kind of share those online so i'm probably going to be dropping some mixes on mixcloud at some point which is could be fun should be fun we'll see what happens but um yeah man holla at me and uh yeah that, that that's it I'm, I'm running out of an intro i'm, I'm running out of an outro so yeah <laughs> shout out to y'all thank y'all for listening love y'all peace